Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. Through the year, we've been talking a lot about um, imbalances in the system, things like, you know, challenge supply chains, a lot of stress there, excess demand, elevated inflation, a big shift in Fed policy, uh, markets reacting to all that. So in this episode, we want to look forward a little bit and look at ways that we might find balance uh, sort of away from these imbalances. So just to review again, we know that um, there's been a lot of sort of polarized uh, sort of sentiment in D.C. So D.C. has been really kind of uh, tense uh, this year. Uh, I mentioned the idea of the drivers of high inflation and sustained higher inflation, like supply chain pressures, like um, uh, excess demand. Uh, we, we've seen the Fed um, make a big shift uh, and really get a bit more aggressive. And that's got everybody focused on whether we're headed into a recession, how deep it will be. It's really shaken the markets. We've seen a slowdown in equity earnings. We've seen a jump in interest rates. Both of those things driving uh, capital market prices lower. And then this all sits against a backdrop geopolitically where there's lots of tensions all around the world. So what I want to try to do in this episode is kind of break it down one topic at a time and take a look at what we see in the next three to six to 12 months and where we might see little, at least little glimpses of finding balance. So let's start with the uh, midterm elections. So, you know, the b- bottom line is in less stressful times than we seem to have had this year, when we're in a midterm year, that tends to be a volatile year. And the theory goes that, you know, before an election and a shift in Congress in this case, potentially, there's lots of uncertainty and investors don't like that. And so we, we've seen heightened volatility for a lot of reasons this year, but one of them is the idea that we aren't really sure where we're headed when it comes to the midterms. So let's sort of break it down. Number one, we're just under three weeks away from the uh, election itself. So we'll have clarity, um, you know, early in November, basically. And when we take a look at what's going on, we basically have right now a uh, democratically controlled Congress, you know, Senate at 50-50, and then the House with a very slight majority. And when we look back at uh, past patterns, basically the minority party, uh, roughly on average at the midterms, will pick up 27 House seats. So if the Republicans get anywhere close to that, uh, then basically they'll, they'll win the House and potentially with a pretty firm majority so uh, anyway, our, our colleague, uh, Stiefel's chief uh, Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner, has essentially said he thinks the House is a 90% probability or 0.9 probability that, um, that the Republicans will take uh, the House. Now, the Senate's another matter. Right now, again, it's 50-50. Um, and uh, there's uh, essentially, it's more of a toss-up there. There are really seven, what, are, what we might think of as toss-up seats with Democrats kind of controlling 46 um, when we look at polling and Republicans really uh, controlling 47. Uh, so there's seven that are a toss-up, and it could, really could go either way. So we'll see how it goes in the Senate. But Brian uh, Gardner at least thinks that the, um, 
that the house will flip. I should mention a little uh, heads up. We did a, a client webinar on this topic I did with Brian uh, just recently, and so we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the uh, notes for this uh, this episode. Uh, a link to the replay. In any event, what's driving all this? So you know, the bottom line is um, when we look at um, number one, the president's approval rating. So President Biden's approval job approval rating is down at 43.3% with um, only 26.7% of respondents thinking that the country's headed in the right direction. Um, When we look at uh, essentially the polling on what issues matter, you can think of things like inflation, the economy and jobs, immigration, crime. These are all issues that voters are prioritizing and kind of signal that they're important to them as, as they make their vote, right? So when you think of an elevated inflation environment, you think of uh, an understanding that crime has really been on the rise. Uh, when you think of things like, you know, even though it doesn't, um, we don't see it a lot, I think there's, you know, strains, if you will, with immigration, and then worries about the economy. These are all things that cause the election uh, to lean towards uh, Republicans. Now, um, uh, when we do look at the generic poll, interestingly, um, it's showing 47.5 for Republicans, 45.3 for Democrats, I, I think with some uh, uh, toss-ups in there. But the bottom line is there's about just over a 2% margin. doesn't feel that strong, but again, a lot of this data is, um, is uh, you know, uh, signaling that the Republicans have a good shot of taking the House. Now, when we look at the races themselves, um, and again, I mentioned that Brian handicaps that he actually has a 50% chance that the House goes Republican, Senate goes Democratic, a 40% chance that the House goes Republican, Senate goes Republican, a 10% chance that de- the Democrats re- maintain control, and a less than 1% chance that Democrats take the House and Republicans take the Senate. That's sort of the one scenario that probably isn't going to happen. And he's really identified... Uh, a dozen different races uh, around uh, the country that are ones to watch, basically. And so think of it as uh, target efforts on the part of Republicans. So these are Democratic seats in Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, New Hampshire. And then the complement of that, seats held by Republicans that are targets for Democrats include North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and then there are other races to keep an eye on in Colorado, Washington State, Connecticut, and Iowa. And so, you know, long story short, Brian uh, is, is basically guiding us to keep a close eye on what's going on there. Um, we, a good example would be um, some scandal or controversy with uh, Republican candidate Herschel Walker in Georgia. So that's gotten a lot of press. But the bottom line is, so far in this polls, it doesn't seem to be hurting them enough to lose. But again, a lot of time between now and, and the and the election. Um, uh, another interesting one is Iowa, uh, where you know traditionally this is a Republican spot, a, a Republican stronghold, if you will. But right now, Republicans are only leading by three points there. So, so that you know is an, indica- an indication that you know things are. A little bit up in the air. All this said, I think the key takeaway I would offer you is that um, whatever happens, we're going to know it happened once the election's done, right? So we'll have clarity 
and that will allow us to process the uncertainty, kind of get it behind us, and we'll have a little bit of, uh, of uh, balance, I guess, from there. Now, let's turn to uh, inflation. This has been one that has been troubling people for the last couple of years, really. And so, first of all, a few sort of concepts. As I alluded to earlier, we've had supply chain pressures. We've had excess demand from outsized fiscal and monetary support. We've had uh, the supply chain side of things aggravated by China's zero COVID policies and the Russia-Ukraine war, that unfortunate uh, situation there. And and inflation has stayed elevated. We have seen seen some things roll over. So specifically, uh, you know, we saw sort of a big build in goods inflation uh, and it's rolled over a little bit, but services has held up and there's some sticky components of services. So, you know, for example, rent is in there and it's taking time to kind of calm down and uh, and slow down, although there are some real-time data points indicating that rent may, may be slowing. Um, and another one is sort of uh, related to wage inflation. So wages have been going up a lot higher than uh, the rate a lot higher than a sort of long-term averages. And that there is also evidence that that's essentially kind of easing a little bit. In any event, turning back to supply chain, we've seen the different indices that are measuring supply chain pressures really start to ease back, not quite to the pre-pandemic levels, but getting increasingly close to that. So that's sort of the data as we see it. When it comes to expectations, as we talked about last month, the consumer remains worried. So the consumer is thinking inflation is going to stay at 5 to 7% for the next year. Investors are not so glum. When we look at break-even rates for the next year, five years, 10 years, basically the rates are around 25 to 2.7% or so. And, um, and essentially down close to the Fed's 2% target, and that's investors you know, really signaling that, that they think inflation is going to calm down. And so um, you know, I, I'd say a, 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 as it relates to finding balance with inflation, it really comes down to kind of keeping an eye on things, seeing if the investor side of the equation plays out, and the things like the easing of supply chain pressures, things like maybe a slowdown in rents or a slowdown in wage growth because of Fed policy and the Fed sort of slowing things down, if that starts to bubble up, hopefully we'll see some relief in inflation and that will help us find balance. Now, next is uh, the Fed. So the Fed's reacting, right, to, um, and it really has been a reactive Fed, to uh, sustained um, sort of persistent inflation. They forecasted inflation would calm down this year, and that didn't happen. So progressively through the year, they've had to adjust their policy, get more and more aggressive. They've hiked up to basically three and a quarter percent with a view that we could get as high as a little little over four and a half percent next year. And and that has caused, uh, almost by design, they are orchestrating a slowdown in the demand side of the equation, which is really the economy. So whereas at the beginning of the year, they expected um, annualized fourth quarter to fourth quarter uh, 2022 versus 2021 GDP to grow at 4%, that number is down to 0.2%. So they've orchestrated this slowdown, again, to ease demand. And, um, and they've really had this mantra, basically, hey, we're going to stick to this hawkish shift. We're going to keep being aggressive. We're going to hike rates more until we see signs of improvement. And, uh, and it's been this really striking sort of consistent chorus from all the different Fed officials that give speeches and things like that. 
I will say as we monitor that, we've seen two things that give maybe a little bit of a crack in that that pattern. One is to say Vice Chair Lael Brannard uh, coming out and saying, look, um, they we, we've uh, sort of moved quickly, and I'm just paraphrasing here, moved quickly, uh, and, and yet um, it takes time for the policy to work. There's a lag, right? And so, um, you know, she, she's sort of signaling, look, we, we think essentially the policy is going to work, but it's going to take some time. Uh, Chicago Fed President uh, Charles Evans essentially signaling something similar, and I think in his mind, for me, again, to paraphrase it, the messaging is, look, we're going we're gonna to act and we're going to do what we're going to do, um, but we're at some point going to pause and wait for these increases to have, you know, again, because they're lagged, an effect. And so the, both of those in different ways, very subtly, are sort of signaling, hey, we're going to see an end to this. And even in the data, when we look, we see the Fed actually having to ease in late 2023 into 2024 based on Fed forecasts as well as market forecasts. And that, that tells us that, hey, they're going to slow things down, but, but eventually pause here um, and kind of wait for things to play out. We've talked a lot about the idea in any event that the Fed will ultimately shift its policy, either as a result of some positive news, that being inflation calms down, or some not so positive news that, you know, the job market really gets hit hard and uh, we see a maybe deeper than expected recession as a result of their aggressive, aggressive shift in monetary policy. Same idea here. We're getting through time. We're getting towards the time when we're going to be able to better understand, uh, number one, whether inflation is coming down and, and or number two, whether the policy is causing sort of more slowdown, more slowdown, a, a deeper recession than they might have thought. In either of those cases, it gives us a sense that the Fed will shift policy, which um, hopefully for good reasons, but maybe not, will create some balance for us, or at least some familiarity and things won't be so out of balance. Now, switching to the economy, you know, people are very uh, concerned, I think appropriately, that we're going to move into a recession. On one hand, we've been in a very strong job market, and that's been good for people. Wages are up. People have a little bit more bargaining power when it comes to getting jobs or keeping jobs. And the consumer related to that has been uh, engaged and uh, kind of healthy, right? So they're spending a lot of money on retail sales. Um, they're, uh, still, they still have a decent amount of savings. Uh, the overall consumer's contribution to GDP remains positive. And as I mentioned, employment, the employment environment has been very good. Um, so right now, when we, you look at the consumer, you think, boy, we, okay, we're seeing a slowdown, but we don't feel like we're in a recession. Um, when it comes to the NBER, which is the, the organization, basically makes the official call on whether we um, are in a recession, they look at a bunch of different data, um, but uh, basically they're going to look, for example, at um, things like personal income and non-farm payroll, um, household uh, employment, et cetera. They look a lot at different employment-related factors, and as, as long as the employment environment stays strong, we don't expect, there is a slowdown going on, but we don't expect them to sort of officially uh, signal that we're in a recession. Now, we do have a dashboard uh, for recession, and I will say that we've flipped uh, four more measures in a more negative direction. 
Uh, and I'll just mention a couple. One is credit spreads. So we've seen uh, credit spreads widen out. Remember, these are the amounts that people get paid to hold uh, debt that are be- that uh, it's a little extra earning beyond what you get paid to hold a treasury bond for the credit risk you're taking in the bond. So it's called a credit spread. And when those move wider, that's a signal that people are worried. So we've seen them move a little bit. But I think importantly, what we're anticipating is for that to happen a bit more. And that is a signal. It's almost like a way of gauging the nervousness in the environment. Uh, another one is retail sales. And we kind of softened our view. We went from uh, sort of an expansionary view on retail sales to more cautionary, really for two reasons. One is to adjust for inflation. So inflation has been high. So while nominal retail sales have held up, real retail sales, in other words, nominal, but then after inflation, have, have obviously been strained a little bit. And then number two, the sh- a shift uh, from really discretionary spending, so think about buying tech or something like that, over to things that are more necessities, like gas and food. So it's both uh, maybe a, a sense that inflation is eroding the spending power and, and then that inflation is affecting the kinds of things the consumer is going after. So for us, we've gone into a more cautionary state uh, s- signaling a higher chance of recession. But again, I'll say the same thing, that we're getting through all this in the sense that the Fed policy through that lag defect is eventually making its way into the environment. We're starting to see slowdown. We can kind of feel exactly how that's affecting the economy. We'll have a sense relatively soon, next three months or so would be my view, on whether we're in a, a recession. We don't think we are, by the way. But it's just that idea that we're getting through time and we're, be able, we're able to monitor things that will give us a sense of balance. Now, all this feeds into equities. Uh, and sort of the first stop on equities is equity earnings. So the big question is, are equity earnings at risk? And we know for sure, just like the economy, that earnings growth has really slowed down uh, here in 2022. So let me give you one number that really captures it. If we go back uh, to the beginning of the year and we gauged what the market, what analysts thought earnings were going to grow for the fourth quarter of 2022. So think of it as taking this year's fourth quarter earnings and dividing by last year's. There was an implied growth rate in the analyst forecast of 14.3%. That's a big number. When we look at, that was at the beginning of the year. And when we look at that same data now, that number has fallen to 4.2%, so over 10% reduction in the growth rate of earnings. And that's one of the reasons that equities have fallen. So we've seen this erosion, but honestly, still positive earnings growth. Usually in a recession, you have earnings contracting. We're not seeing that yet. And in fact, when we look at the consensus forecast for next year, at the beginning of the year, the 2023 estimate was a growth rate of 9.9%. That's fallen to 7.9, so it's fallen, but only by a couple percent. Now, the market has reacted to that, as we've talked about. We've been in a bear market, and uh, the market's reacted on the fixed income side with the Fed uh, policy shift, by seeing, and we've seen interest rates on Treasury uh, yield levels moving higher. And so all of that's been sort of negative for the capital markets, and what we're looking for is sort of uh, capitulation. So... Uh, on the equity side, I'd say one thing that we look at carefully is um, the idea of sentiment. There's a variety of indices. This month we focused on four. The Fear and Greed Index actually published by CNN. It's deep into the fear territory. 
Um, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment, really at very low levels by historic standards, going back to, let's say, the 1970s, it's about at the lows. Uh, another one is a survey um, that uh, essentially gauges whether people are bullish or bearish, and the majority are bearish at this point. And then finally, there's a way of gauging how uh, fund managers are raising cash. And the, the cash allocation at 6.3% is the highest it's been since 2001. That's All of these are an indication that people have been worried. And usually, when you have that kind of negative sentiment, that's a sign that we're, we're sort of, of bottoming out, and uh, it, it's a reasonable time to be putting money to work. Finally, on the, on the fixed income side, you know, with these higher interest rates, that means, unfortunately, bond prices have gone down, but bond yields have gone up. And for people putting more money to work in fixed income, it's a much more attractive environment. So, for example, if one were to go out and buy investment-grade bonds, uh, and this is as of a number of, of, from a couple of days ago, you could get a, a yield of 5.9%. So think of it as if interest rates don't change from here, that's basically your return for buying that bond um, if it you know doesn't default. And and um, then we see a similar number for municipal bonds when we look at those on a taxable equivalent basis. You get over 6% on a taxable equivalent basis, so obviously lower if you tax adjust it. And so, again, I think the, the general takeaway here is that we uh, see a, uh, the bond environment to be much more attractive as a result of higher rates. So just to talk about the markets then, Hey, we've seen a, cor a correction, a bear market. We've seen uh, sort of a, an understanding that earnings are eroding, but it's like the market's digesting all this. Mar investors are digesting all this, and it feels like, especially with the sentiment measures we're seeing, that maybe we're starting to get a sense that not so much that we've, we're absolutely at a bottom, but we're near it, or maybe we'll have some volatility. But uh, essentially, as we get through all these things and we find... Uh, th this idea of sort of things settling down, finding balance, markets should actually recover from there. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that we've got sort of a, a world around us of lots of different things going on. So we've got tensions with China. We've got tensions over in China with Taiwan, their views on the South China Sea. You saw the U.S. Uh, impose some export controls on semiconductors. We've seen some challenges with U U.K. politics and policy uh, we obviously have the Russia-Ukraine war, and all of this, you know, leading to um, some uncertainty from around the world, you know, and there, that's an area where it's sort of anybody's guess that we could see anything pop up and create a little bit of trouble for us. Um, but so far, uh, you know, things seem generally reasonably understood. Now, there's some bad situations like Ukraine, but, you know, at least we understand what's going on. And as time goes along, we're that much closer to resolution. So we're going to end it there. I'll just reiterate that, you know, we do think about it for the balance of the year and what's going to be coming up. So we'll be watching inflation. We'll be watching consumer uh, information, retail sales sentiment, et cetera. We'll be watching the Fed closely all around uh, seeking to find balance uh, as we make our way towards the end of the year. So thanks very much for listening uh, to this episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.